Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. California has reached 1 million confirmed coronavirus infections, only the second state to reach that grim milestone after Texas. It comes nearly 10 months after the first cases were confirmed in the Golden State. Earlier this week, State Health and Human Services Secretary Dr. Mark Galley said we can still slow down the virus by our individual actions and decisions. So I implore all Californians to sort of look in the mirror, ask what you can do differently. How much more can you keep your mask on? How much more can you work with your own communities, your own family members to plan events in a lower risk way? Each of those efforts makes a difference. We know that it does. We've seen it in our data for months and it's together we can make that difference um, and be committed to it. Now, because of a spike in virus cases, many California counties are rolling back or stopping their reopenings. And public health officials in Los Angeles County say people who travel over the Thanksgiving holidays should quarantine themselves for 14 days, although they implore people to just stay home. San Francisco lawyers representing immigrants detained by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement say the agency ignored CDC protocols and misled a federal judge about the causes of a coronavirus outbreak at an ICE detention facility in Bakersfield. KQED's immigration editor, Tyke Hendricks, reports. Plaintiffs say more than 60 percent of detainees and a quarter of the staff at the Mesa Verde Detention Center got COVID-19 this summer. They argue ICE and the private prison company Geo Group failed to test people and left detainees in a crowded dorm with COVID-positive bunkmates. Though conditions have improved since Judge Vince Chabria intervened, plaintiffs are asking him to keep monitoring because they say ICE's claims that it protects the people in its custody are false. Lawyers for ICE say further oversight is not needed. An agency spokesman declined to comment on the pending case. Chabria has set a hearing for Monday. For the California Report, I'm Tyke Hendricks. And here's something impressive. Despite the pandemic and conspiracy theories about voting by mail pushed by President Trump, well over 100
150 million Americans cast ballots this year. And in California, record numbers of people voted by mail. That after Governor Gavin Newsom issued an executive order requiring all registered voters in the state to receive a mail-in ballot. That was an election first. So all in all, how did California voting go this year? To find out, I talked to Guy Maserati, who's on KQED's politics desk. Well, it went really well. Uh, And that's, you know, conversations that I've had with more than a dozen registrars, election officials, voting advocates. They all seem to say, given all the circumstances preceding this election and happening in the middle of a pandemic, so many changes to adapt to that. um, The election administration went really smoothly in California. And most think that the changes that we experienced this year could actually provide kind of a framework or baseline for how voting happens in the state going forward. And just remind us again of the raw numbers. I mean, how many people voted and how did they vote? Yeah, we saw huge numbers of Californians vote in this election, somewhere between 16 and 17 million votes cast. More than 12 million voted before Election Day, large majorities opting to use their mail ballot. And that really took the burden off of election officials because they were able to process those ballots ahead of time. And you saw a huge number of votes released right on uh, 8 o'clock on Election Night. And looking ahead, does it look like universal vote by mail is here to stay in California? Yeah, so I think that's the direction that we're heading in. We already heard this week Assemblyman Mark Berman in the Bay Area. He authored the law that made vote by mail universal this election. He said he already plans in the next legislative session to introduce a bill that would once again, for all future elections, send every registered voter a ballot. So I think that's something that's here to stay. I think the bigger question is what happens to in-person voting, right? I think this election was an anomaly in the fact that Congress gave counties and states a lot of money through the CARES Act to administer the elections. So election officials were basically able to put on two elections. They were able to send out these mail ballots with postage paid for. They were also able to open all these in-person voting locations for people who chose to vote that way. Going forward, I think a lot of election officials would say, let's just go all in on vote by mail and kind of save that duplicate cost if we're not going to get this money in the future. But voting advocates say that's not going to work for everybody. There are still uh, communities that haven't adopted vote by mail in as large numbers. And, you know, folks who need disability access or language access, they really rely on in-person voting. So I think that's really where the crux of the debate will be, is what's the future of in-person voting in California. Hmm. And just finally, Guy, if, if we do move to universal vote by mail permanently, do, do experts expect that to be cheaper or more expensive than what we've had before? So most uh, county officials I talked to said that vote by mail actually cost them more than the in-person election this year. That's because California voters don't have to pay the postage going back and forth uh, that, you know, they get that automatically in the mail and they can send it back without putting a stamp on it. Um, I think it's a big question as to what kind of future investment we see from the state and federal government towards elections. County officials would say what's more important than securing democracy in terms of getting funds to do that. But I think when the rubber hits the road, especially with the kind of tight state budget that we're looking at in the upcoming year, I think that's going to be a big concern is, you know, if you direct more of that money towards vote by mail, what's left to actually open up voting locations. All right, KQED's Guy Maserati, thanks so much. Thank you, Saul. Speculation is rising over who Governor Gavin Newsom will pick to fill the California U.S. Senate seat of Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. The person selected will have that seat until the next election. As KCRW's Cherry Glazer reports, one name that keeps popping up is Alex Padilla, currently California's Secretary of State. 
Padilla has been considered a frontrunner for the job almost from the moment that Joe Biden tapped Kamala Harris as his running mate. Now, Bold Pack, a political action committee connected to the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, is throwing its weight behind Padilla, pointing out that Latinos make up almost 40 percent of California's population, but that a Latino leader has never represented the state in the U.S. Senate. The group says this is an opportunity to change that. Padilla is the son of immigrants from Mexico and previously served on the L.A. City Council and in the California State Senate. Other names being floated for Harris's seat include State Attorney General Javier Becerra and Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia. Newsom, for his part, is playing his cards close to the vest, saying at a news conference the other day that the selection process is just beginning to unfold and that the timing of an appointment would be coordinated with Harris. For the California Report, I'm Cherry Glazer. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. What happens when the need to build more housing in California collides with worries about wildfires? Well, Attorney General Javier Becerra is warning San Diego County supervisors about giving the green light to a nearly 2,000 home development in a semi-rural area prone to fires. In a letter sent to the supervisors, Becerra warns about the wisdom of building in a fire hazard area and says the development doesn't have a robust evacuation plan in the event of a wildfire. Becerra wrote the letter citing his authority to enforce California's Environmental Quality Act, or CEQA. And staying on fire, State Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara is asking insurance companies to extend some benefits for victims of the 2017 and 2018 wildfires. The California Report's Lily Jamali has more. Lily? Hi, Saul. Well, the Department of Insurance reports getting numerous complaints about insurers threatening to stop paying for living expenses as fire victims struggle to rebuild or buy replacement homes. It might come too late for some because we just passed the second anniversary of the campfire. Two fire survivors I've spoken with told me that in the run-up to the anniversary this weekend, their insurers made clear that they would halt the living expenses they've been paying since the fire. The insurance commissioner's letter basically asks insurers to extend those benefits going forward for now. It's an acknowledgement that many of these victims have had a really hard time getting settled someplace new or rebuilding as costs have skyrocketed. And this is expected to buy them some more time when many are still struggling. Saul? That's the California Report's Lily Jamali. And now a break from California stories that happened this day, this week, or even this century. KQED science reporter Danielle Venton has a story about ancient big game hunters and an unexpected discovery. 9,000 years ago in the highlands of Peru, people made a living in the harsh landscape by hunting and gathering. UC Davis anthropologist Randy Haas studies these early people. How people organize their communities, where they're leaders, things like this. 
the discovery of a new burial site took him in a new direction. The main thing that the individual was found with was a, a little pile of stone tool artifacts. Points of spears and darts, scraping tools and red ochre pigment used to prepare animal hides. To the best of our knowledge, this is a toolkit for somebody who's invested heavily in big game hunting. So at this point, this was a really exciting discovery in and of itself because we hadn't seen anything like it. The conversation that ensued among the excavating team was, he says, in hindsight, funny and maybe even a little shameful. So the conversation went something like, oh, he must have been a really great hunter. He must have been a really important part of society. Maybe he was a chief, right? These are some of the conversations that were flying into the evening. Research into contemporary hunter-gatherer societies show men taking the lead. But that was not true in this case. Project bioarchaeologist James Watson of the University of Arizona examined the remains. He came to me uh, one evening. He said, Randy, you know, your hunter burial, I think he's actually a, a she. This got Hass wondering, was this hunting woman exceptional or could she have been the norm? He began scouring past research. And when we did that, began to find that it was just as likely that we found female burials in association with big game hunting tools as male burials. Hass now suspects these ancient people did not clearly separate tasks for men and women, but shared them. He's cautious about drawing too many lessons from this, but he does say there's no reason to think sexist workplace roles are somehow natural. For the California Report, I'm Danielle Venton. And finally, feeling a little overwhelmed by the news lately? Well, this week on our sister show, The California Report magazine, host Sasha Coca tells us they're serving up some comfort food to soothe your stress. The California Report is turning 25 this year, and we've been taking a dive into our archives to find some of the most delicious California food stories we've brought you over the years. From traditional favorites... The potato pancakes Ira's mom, Andrea, and sister Shannon made were terrific. Crispy and warm, dunked in applesauce for that perfect combination of grease and fruit. To creative fusion, border style. It's like red fish. Sort of like a Baja style yeah. fish. The, the chili peppers and onion and stuff like that. Baja style at a Chinese restaurant? To us, it's like a, a fusion. Mexican ingredients with the Chinese. And of course, a little something sweet. And at Donut Man, there is one kick above all others. Definitely heard a lot about the strawberry one. A shell of fried dough jammed with fresh strawberries drenched in a thick strawberry syrup. It's a feast for the ears this week on the California Report magazine. And that is the California Report for Friday, November 13th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley, and Holly J. McDeed. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good weekend. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, 
please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!